Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Strength and Speed owner and Conquer the Gauntlet Pro, Evan Preparis. I got a guest with me on the line. I'm going to introduce her, and then we're going to get to this episode's sponsor before we dive into the content of the episode. So, damn it, I forgot to ask your name, your, how to spell your last name. All right. Oh. I, got, I got Callie on the show. Callie, say your last name so I don't butcher it, please. Schweikart. Callie Schweikart. So, I got Callie Schweikart on the show. Spartan Pro, I'm going to jump into some of her background, and then we will talk a little bit more. So she was born in Cold Spring, New York, grew up playing basketball and soccer. She made it to the New York State Class C Final Four in, is that basketball or is that soccer? Soccer. Soccer, okay. And it was a goalkeeper, broke her high school's records for most shutouts in a single season and in a career. Also made it to New York State Class C Final in 2013 when Callie was a senior and team captain. Recruited to play for Boston University, became the first freshman of the program to earn a 4.0 GPA while in season. She also endured her time at BU, was honored to be part of the women's soccer program. Eventually decided to transfer to Marriott's College in Poughkeepsie, New York, and graduated summa cum laude with a degree in psychology. Good choice. I also have a degree in psychology for my undergrad. And uh, during her gap year, she began tutoring elementary and middle and high school students, as well as coaching soccer. She ran her first Spartan race in 2015 and has been in love with it ever since. 2017 was her first year racing elite, and at 21, she became the, one of the youngest females to win an elite Spartan race. She joined the Spartan Pro team in 2019, and has been selected again as a member for 2020. Callie and her friend Morgan Schultz, who we had on the podcast a couple months ago, are also the American world record, the American record holders in High Rocks women's double competition. So, you know, I had Morgan on, and I feel like I had to bring the other half of the dynamic duo on, which is <laughs> why we have Callie on. Uh, Kelly's a national strength and conditioning certified uh, strength and conditioning specialist, NSCA. So also approve of that. I have a NSCA certification also and uh, enjoys leading a healthy lifestyle. So Callie, welcome. Thank you. Before we get to talking more about you, because there's a lot of interesting stuff there, especially with your background in basketball and soccer and your certifications as a trainer. I want to talk about this episode's sponsor. So this episode is brought to you by Ufos. Ufos is a recovery sandal and shoe that you may have seen me or anyone on the Conquer the Gauntlet Pro team wearing. And I actually started to see them more and more at OCRs in general. So I remember at the World's Toughest Mudder brunch that Monday after the race, it was like dozens of pairs walking, walking around. And they're just super comfortable. You know, you don't have to be an athlete to use them. Parents have a pair. My sister has a pair, right? They're just very comfortable shoe foam and you know unlike normal traditional running shoe foam it's normal running shoe foam is meant to return give a positive return so you step down and it's supposed to it absorbs and then expands versus ufos does the opposite it just it just compresses and absorbs that impact so it provides a lot less stress on the you know knees ankle feet etc so uh callie i know you've used ufos before what's your opinion on them yeah so i actually got the opportunity to try them they were at the jacksonville um 2019 race to kick off the 2019 season and I snagged a pair and they're super comfy, super plush, um, very cushy and kind of just what you want after beating your feet up at a race. So I like them a lot. Awesome. All right. Well, Callie, let's jump into it. We're going to start off, we'll go chronologically and we'll start talking about, you know, your background playing basketball and soccer and, you know, you know, why did you choose those sports and then how did that lead into obstacle course racing? Sure. So my parents have always been athletes and two of their biggest sports were basketball and soccer. And naturally I kind of just took an interest in them hearing about my parents playing them and um, just seeing my friends uh, get into them. I was also always tall. So um, basketball seemed to be a good fit. And then soccer being a goalkeeper that also worked well. Yeah. My parents just really encouraged that active lifestyle and were in- passionate about sports. And that was something I grew to enjoy as well. So I started off really young. I think the first picture of me kicking a soccer ball around, I'm like three years old and um, just played rec in my small town for um, a few years until I was old enough to join like the school teams um, in middle school and loved both soccer and basketball and started specializing mainly in soccer um, by the end of middle school, beginning of high school. I continued to play basketball throughout high school and we actually, we did well our senior year. We did go to the state final four for that as well. And that was just an awesome experience. I love how basketball just, it combines so much, there's so much mobility and agility involved. And um, just me, I usually played center forward and I loved just grabbing the rebounds and 
trying to facilitate us getting back on offense and making plays. So that was always fun. And then soccer, uh, being a goalkeeper, again, a lot of agility and plyometrics involved. And what's funny is I always enjoyed the running aspects of both sports, even though I wasn't necessarily running in soccer much. Um, There's conditioning involved for both sports. And I think that's something that's carried through to my OCR career as well. Just I always enjoyed moving as much as possible. And um, I've always said if I wasn't a goalkeeper, I'd want to be a midfielder or something, just running around all the time, getting involved. But I think it's really important for kids to have a multifaceted athletic background. Um, A lot of the times kids are pigeonholed into one thing very quickly, especially if they show a lot of potential. And I was fortunate to have a few uh, adults, coaches, and role models around me who encouraged me to pursue multiple things for as long as I could. And eventually I did specialize in soccer when I was recruited for Boston University, but trying to keep as much, as many sports as possible in my life, I think it has been a benefit to me throughout my career in any sport that I do. Complete, I completely agree with that. You know, there's been several studies, I wish I actually had like, could name them off the top of my head, that show having <laughs> a diverse background essentially will help you later in life. It, you know, it prevents overuse injuries, allows, you know, prevents muscle imbalances, and then gives you a bunch of skills that you can draw on later in life as you go to other sports or as you just, as you just age more gracefully, you know, essentially, because you, your, your body's used to moving in a whole bunch of different ways versus, you know, I'm a runner and all I do is move forward and do no lateral movements ever. Right. And I, and I don't have any upper body strength. So absolutely. I, I work with kids. Um, part of being a trainer and a coach is I've worked with kids uh, on strength and conditioning for certain sports or just in general, um, if they want some training. And a lot of the times I see if they haven't been involved in multiple sports, there are a lot of imbalances or lots of, there's lots lacking in the mobility department a lot of the time. And I think, I think back to the kids I played school sports with and the best athletes um, who performed well on the field were also the ones who could just perform basic movements the best, who could squat down without like their knees caving in and their heels coming off the ground, like just being an all around um, solid and mobile athlete. I think it's huge. And I think the multi-sport background caters to that really well. Yeah, absolutely. Now you mentioned you're the goalkeeper, even though you liked running, was that just a matter of your height and your basketball background? Is that why you were put in the goal position or was that a personal choice? Um, Well, at first it was not. So uh, when I started playing soccer for rec, my dad was actually the coach and no one wanted to play goalkeeper. So he didn't want to make any other kid upset. So he forced me to be goalkeeper. He was also a goalkeeper and played for UConn. And he kind of saw, he told, he told me uh, later on that he always saw my ability um, as being better with my hands than my feet, just more coordination. And so at first I wasn't happy about it. And then I slowly started getting into it and got the opportunity to be the goalkeeper for um, a local travel team. And it evolved from there. And he really became my mentor throughout high school. And even in college, when we could get together, he'd come visit, he would come and train with me. And it was something I grew to really love. So yeah, it, it was first I was reluctant and then, um, I really did grow to love it and found a home in it for sure. So before you finished college, you eventually, you started making the transition into obstacle course racing. So why the, the taper down in soccer and the increase in obstacle course racing? So I, um, at BU my first year, um, I loved the school and I loved so many of the experience I had, experiences I had there, but soccer became a little bit more of a job and instead of something I was looking forward to. And I had always had extreme um, performance anxiety when it comes to soccer. Um, and I find it interesting that basketball, I never felt that way. I always look forward to getting out on the court. I didn't put any pressure on myself. Um, it wasn't my quote unquote main sport. And then in soccer, um, I honestly don't remember ever looking forward to a game. I loved the feeling of doing well in a game and I loved the feeling of practice, but games in a way terrified me. So that all kind of came to a head in um, my freshman year of college. And it was just a lot to take in. And I was very homesick, not used to being away from home and didn't really know what I wanted to study either. Um, I was, I got accepted into their physical therapy program, but didn't want to quite pigeonhole myself yet. It was a very rigid, no electives program. And 
So with all that being said, I decided to take a gap year. And during that gap year was when I ran my first Spartan race at the suggestion of my friend who knew I loved fitness and conditioning. She was also on my high school soccer team. She was like, this would be perfect for you. So I tried it. And at that point, I was pretty burnt out on soccer and wanted something for myself. Um, I feel like in soccer, I was always, I felt like I had the team on my shoulders only because there was no line of defense after me. Um, when you get scored on, that's kind of it, as opposed to um, say you're a forward on the field, not that you don't have important responsibilities, but you let the ball go past you. You have like eight to 10 other people yeah. behind you. Yeah, so I was, was going to comment. I was going to jump in there with the performance anxiety, right? Like the goalkeeper is pretty important. It's arguably yeah. the most important position on the field. Uh, so I totally empathize with that. Like I totally see where you're coming from where, you know, that's a, that's a lot of pressure to put on one person. That's yeah. a team sport, you know? Totally. And I, I have, I'm very much a people pleaser sometimes to a fault. So whenever I felt like I was letting someone down say I made a mistake, cause everyone <laughs> gives up, any goalkeeper gives up terrible goals uh, some of the time. So whenever that would happen, that was just the most mortifying thing to me. So it, it was, it's, a, it's not like basketball with this, you know, there's a lot of baskets that are scored like soccer, you know, the score is like two, nothing or like one, nothing there. Yeah. Yeah, there, yeah. There's not like does, you know, there's not dozens of chance to redeem yourself. So yeah, yeah, sometimes there's no yeah, for sure. But I think OCR was a nice change of pace for me because it was at first it was me against me. Now I'm a little more competitive and have tried to work my way up the ranks. But when I first started, I was like, hmm, let's just see how well I can do. And it is an individual sport in that your result doesn't affect anyone else's result really, or your performance, I should say. So I really enjoyed pushing myself for myself. And if I let myself down, I was only letting myself down versus if I let myself down on the soccer field, that would mean I let the whole team down. Um, and that was a nice point of relief for me. And yeah, just, I, I knew as soon as, as soon as that first, like, it's so, so cliche, but literally heard the word Aru and they let, they send us off. And I was like, this is awesome. This is the best. So uh, I've loved it ever since. Awesome. Now, you know, you did your first Spartan race. What was the, it, did pretty much you do that first one and then you were like, all right, I'm going to do this competitively. Or did you run elite in that first one? What was the, that transition like? So I ran open in 2015. I ran the um, New Jersey Spartan super and I did well. I think I came in like top 10 in the women of the day. And I was like, Oh, this is cool. Like whatever. And then it took me, then I was like, next year I'll go for my trifecta. I didn't really know elite was a thing yet. <laughs> so it was in 2016 that I kind of learned that things were competitive. And then I learned, started hearing names like Amelia Boone and Lindsay Webster. And I was like, Oh, who are these people? And kind of started really wanting to do better and commit myself to this sport. So um, at first it was more just like, I trained for fun. I do mostly weights because I kind of got into that after leaving college and I was used to that for goalkeeping and soccer. But when I started realizing that there was really an elite sport, uh, I recognized my need to improve my running. So um, 17 that I tried my first elite race and by the summer of that year, I hit my first podium, which was a major goal for me. Um, and from there, I kind of just gradually progressed and just trying to keep working to be better and better. And I think it's hard as someone who puts a lot of pressure on themselves to do well, gradual improvement is, it's, it's basically the essence of how you get better. But at the same time, it's, it's hard to settle for very gradual improvement. So it's literally just been small gains over small gains over small gains to where 2017, I went to Spartan Worlds and I was hoping for a top 50 finish. I was like, I hope I get top 50 and got 31st. And next year went back 26th. And then this past year, 20th. And just that gradual improvement over time is kind of what fuels the fire to get better. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a long game and it's a grind. And, you know, especially the, the longer you're in the sport, the less the the smaller those those gains are so it's hard to sometimes it's hard to remember that you you are improving even though you know your training log or your race performances may look almost look like a a flat line where totally. you know I, I know I look back on videos of like me training in my garage that like I posted Instagram a couple of years ago and I remember being like at the time I posted I remember being like oh this is a really good you know set crossing the rig and I look at it up now I'm like I can I can do that in my sleep that's super easy like what was I what was yeah. I even a, was I even impressed by? <laughs> and uh, oh, I, that's yeah. so true. It, it took me until my third season of OCR to actually make a spear throw, and then this year I forget how many races I ran, but 
I think I was around 80%, 85%. So it's just something that you, like all these little things you constantly work on. And um, over time, you really have to look back and remind yourself, oh, hey, I actually did get better at this. Yeah, absolutely. Now tell me about your joining of the Spartan Pro team in 2019, how that went down. I was super excited to be invited. Um, I think it was because 2018, um, 2017 and 2018 were good seasons for me. And I guess I got their attention by getting on podiums. And um, I think 2018, I was 11th overall in the national series. And um, I think I did four out of five races or whatever. But back then it was, you could do that um, before they counted all of them. Yeah. So I was just really honored to be on a team with such an amazing group of people and people I um, considered like idols for so long now kind of becoming friends and colleagues. Not that I'm on their level yet, but just that I was on a team with them. I was like, wow, this is, this is um, pretty cool. And just a testament to the hard work I put in. So I think it's fun to just don that Spartan Jersey and yeah, be recognized for the hard work I put in. It's a great group of people. And I really love um, the Spartan brand. I, I know there are things that people go back and forth about, but um, overall the sport has changed a lot of people, people's lives. And this specific company has had a positive influence on so many people, myself included. Um, so yeah, it's um, definitely something I value. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge accomplishment. And I think anyone who's running competitive OCR, you know, that's a lot of people's end state. Their, their, their major goal is to get on a team like that. So, you know, huge Absolutely. congratulations there. And then, yeah, hundred percent agree with you. I, I'm personally, I'm not the biggest Spartan fan, but I know, I recognize I, even though I rarely run their races, I've benefited hugely from the, having them in the industry, right? They're just a a massive force that's pulling everything along, right? Like, I mean, they were the first ones to have a pro team. They were the first ones to be, get on TV. I mean, Joe's done so much for this industry. You know, the, all these little brands that are surviving are, you know, are largely in existence because he was breaking down the brush and paving the way for them. So Absolutely. And yeah, it gave me something to train for when I felt kind of lost after leaving college sports. And it turned me onto this whole new world of running. Um, I really didn't start trying to run competitively until a few years ago. I wasn't training as a runner until then. And just, I kind of can't picture my life without trying that first Spartan race. Um, I, I know we talked about this before we hit record, but um, I just moved to Colorado and I wouldn't, I wouldn't, it, life wouldn't have brought me here had I not tried that first Spartan race in 2015. So, and I wouldn't have all the amazing friends and people I've met. Um, it's just an amazing community. So yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Absolutely. Yeah. It, yeah. The friendships, the community, all that stuff. I mean, Tough Mudder would not be a thing anymore if Joe hadn't bailed them out. So that's a huge, that's a huge deal, especially for me. Cause that's like my, <laughs> those are my A races, like the toughest and world's yeah. toughest. So now totally. you recently set an American record in high rocks last year with Morgan. How did that, you know, what was the decision to go into high rocks and uh, just tell me about that. Sure. So um, Morgan and I met through um, uh, the endurance project. So I'm coached by Dennis Welch currently, and he um, started the endurance project, just a group of athletes that he coaches for running and OCR. And Morgan has pretty much become one of my closest friends. Um, and that started through High Rocks. It just so happened that she was competing in the New York City event last year. And I live I used to live about an hour from there. So my coach, Dennis, had been encouraging me to try it out. Um, and I knew Morgan was going, so I just reached out to her and, um, hey, like I'm wondering if maybe we could get in on a room together so that I could try this out. Um, it wasn't something I really had my eye on, but it just seemed like something fun to do. So um, I went to New York City, and um, Alyssa Hawley, also being coached by Dennis, uh, was there. And it was just something fun to try, no expectations. And I ended up taking third. So with Alyssa first and Morgan second. So it was super fun to stand on the podium with my teammates that day. And it kind of doing that event made me realize a, when you don't put expectations on yourself, you're, you're probably going to do better. Um, if you're an overthinker like me and B, I think I have good, I'm just an athlete with good anaerobic output, probably from my years of basketball and soccer. And I really thrived in the um, heavy strength elements, given my size. Um, I'm 5'11", and um, I've always had a more muscular frame. So 
I, I loved that. And then with the running training I'd been doing, I was able to hold my own on the case too. So that became something I wanted to chase. And then Morgan and I traveled together to Chicago to compete individually. And it was suggested to us to try the doubles event at first kind of as a joke. And then we looked at each other and we were like, why not? So we decided to head to Dallas for the doubles. And it was a crazy morning because the record that we were aiming to break was an hour and three minutes and something, I believe. So we were hoping to hit around an hour. And we get a text from Morgan's dad that morning saying the record had been broken in Germany because of the time difference. They had already competed, competed um, for the event that day. And it was now 57-53 or something like that. So we really had to like go balls to the wall and try to beat this record. We came up three seconds short um, uh. and our goal, I know it was so brutal. Um, it, there were just little things. We took one little wrong turn and that eats up two seconds. Like we were like, oh no, this way. And then, yeah, just like little pauses that we could eliminate. And we were like, okay, we can do this. We'll get there. Next event was LA. And then that's when COVID hit. So we haven't had a chance to snag that title yet. Um, so we, we were very happy with the, I guess, American title, but um, we're definitely um, hoping to take that world record. Yeah, that, I'm like, that kills me just hearing that story again, because, oh, you know, like, if, 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 if the time zones were flipped, right, you would have the record, and then it would, if it only lasted, what, a couple of hours, and then it would have been broken, you know, but. Yeah, which would also have been heartbreaking. I don't know how I would have felt about that either. I think it would have been. I think it would have been better because at least you had it for a little bit uh, versus true, true. not having it at all. But yeah. Now I, I asked Morgan the same question when she was on the podcast, right? So she's had great success in High Rocks, and obviously, you know, you're on a team with her, and you're just a hair away from breaking a world record. You're obviously very good at it, at it yourself, and then on top of that, you're on the individual podium in, in other events. So you know, looking forward. Do you stay focused on Spartan or do you pivot to high rocks or do you just kind of try to straddle both worlds? What's your plan? I think ideally I would like to straddle both worlds. I know that's not necessarily realistic with given my move to Colorado. Um, I've been really enjoying the mountains and I definitely want to put in um, a lot of endurance work because I think in terms of what is most fulfilling to me and just most enjoyable while I'm out there, being in the outdoors and exploring these amazing mountains and places I never would have gotten to see had it not been for Spartan. I love their events. But High Rocks, I do recognize, requires a special skill set that I feel like I do have. So hopefully both events can kind of pick back up <laughs> after this whole thing runs its course. Um, I'm hoping sooner rather than later. But that's a tough decision. I, <laughs> I, one of my main goals would definitely be to break that world record with Morgan for sure. I think that's one of the most tangible goals I have right now. But in terms of the more fulfilling and just more enjoyable goal to me, I'm drawn to the outdoor events that Spartan puts on. So basically my answer is try to do both. Okay. <laughs> and for Spartan racing, what do you consider your you know, your forte, which, which event distance do you think you're best at? It's funny. It's hard to say. I think I, I'm good at the very short or the pretty long. So, um, or the very intense, like high rocks and then say the beasts of, um, uh, Spartan, uh, that just seems to be, I can either go super hard for a pretty short amount of time or just grit it out for, hours on end. So that middle range where you require that really high aerobic engine and really good sheer speed, um, not quite there yet, hopefully soon. I, I enjoy racing the super distance, but if I had to pick one where I think my strengths lie, probably the beast. Okay. Good answer. You know, we mentioned, we talked a lot about your background at the beginning of the podcast. So let's start off with basketball. You know, what lessons can we take from basketball or can you take from basketball and apply to obstacle course racing or high rocks? Ooh, that's a good one. Well, I think the coordination that basketball requires is huge, um, especially for the obstacles you face, say in a Spartan race, just like hand strength and grip strength. You need to grip that ball and catch it and know where your hands are in relation to your body. And uh, that's something that's super useful for something like Spartan where you're swinging on rigs and trying to cross monkey bars, things like that. And one direct um, lesson that I took from basketball to Spartan was um, correlating the, the free throw to the spear throw. Good one. In, in basketball, uh, it's 
if you watch any player high school level or above, pretty much all of them have a routine when they take a free throw. And it's the same every time. It's like two dribbles and a spin or something like that. They pick something that makes them feel comfortable, gets them in the zone so they can take that shot and have the best chance of making it. And I think the spear throw um, should be treated in the same exact way. And I kind of found my rhythm with that, my specific setup where I actually haven't tried to throw a spear in a while with everything going on, but just to set up a few steps back, step one, two, and then throw. And it's just that constant repetition, just like I would spend time in the gym taking free throw after free throw after free throw. Yeah, I think that lesson correlates directly to OCR, which was pretty interesting. That's a really good answer. That's that's much, that's really good. I like that. And I think that really can help people who are trying to work on their spear throw. And I was really curious where you're going to go with that one because I am absolutely terrible at basketball, like horrendous. I have no hand-eye coordination. I'm not good. I, I'm just I, like I, and I'm also short too. I'm five six, so I, that that doesn't help. But uh, yeah, it was a good answer. Very good. <laughs> Thank you. No, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting how you can draw from different sports, and there's usually always a uh, relationship somehow. Okay, though, let's next sport you were focused on in high school. Let's go with soccer. We you know what what lessons can we pull from soccer to apply to obstacle course racing? I found for me specifically, um, I think the footwork, all the footwork I did as a goalkeeper, shuffling, backpedaling, um, side to side, diving, drop step, all that stuff I think has helped me in technical downhills because um, you really have to control and know where your feet are going and just have that quick motion. And yeah, I noticed, well, more specific example in like national series races, where I um, fall somewhat behind on uphills compared to like the top, like Lindsay or Faye or something. If you look at splits from the race, the gap between us on downhills is much, much smaller. And I think that's because I can take that footwork I took from soccer and translate it to those more technical downhills. That's one. And then the other thing would probably be the leg strength developed from all the plyometrics I had to do. Because I'd literally spend an hour to two hours each day just jumping up and down and getting up and down off the ground and you burn <laughs> your legs start burning pretty hard um just like they would in uphills and just running for so long on these tough courses so yeah i think the leg strength endurance and the foot skills are two things that directly applied to for my experience as a goalkeeper to ocr another good answer that that was that was interesting so i'm terrible at i'm also terrible at downhill running i'm terrible at oh mountains in general so I'm, I have stuff to work on. Yeah. You know, I, the, um, for me, I do a lot of ultra racing. So, and typically most of the course I run are not mountains. So when I get up to a mountain course, which is typically only like once a year, I'm always worried I'm going to like blow out my knee. So I'm always a little, I'm a little hesitant running downhill. And, uh, you know, I know I can fix that with more practice, but uh, just with only like one mountain race a year, there's just not, not a strong reason compelling me to practice more mountain running. <laughs> That's totally fair. All right. Now, your degree was in psychology in uh, college. Why did you choose psychology just out of curiosity, as a, as, since I'm well, a psychology <laughs> major also? So uh, I, I did say at BU, I was physical therapy, and then I decided to go undecided before I took the gap year. And transferring to Marist, I still didn't really have a clue as to what I wanted to do. Um, so I entered as a biology education major. Um, I do love teaching and I'm currently a private tutor. Um, and that was just something that I've always enjoyed, but there's so much, um, red tape in the education world. And, and I, that was something that was, um, unattractive to me. And I was up to it with all the things teachers have to go through. And I personally feel that they're underpaid. Um, so that was something I struggled with for a while. So then I dropped the education part, stuck with biology and realized that the requirements um, of many bio classes and chemistry classes, I didn't really enjoy at all. <laughs> and at that point, psychology seemed like the most practical option to make use of all the credits I had earned, but also take a deeper dive into things I found interesting regarding, I, I took some sports psychology, um, I did learn a lot about working with kids and child development um, that I use now as a coach and a tutor. And yeah, just learning about the mind because um, personally, the mind has always been um, sometimes my biggest strength and sometimes my biggest weakness. Um, 
just with anxiety in life and in performance. And then I'm a dedicated student and I learn really well. Yeah, it's just kind of a, a fine balance and something I was really interested in. So I decided to go for that. Right on. Now you mentioned performance anxiety. We talked a little bit about it when you were playing soccer and you say you're better at dealing with it now with racing. You know, what are some of your techniques or do you have any methods that you can suggest that might help people who have similar performance anxiety or going into a major race? Yeah. So, um, something I like to use a lot are, um, mantras and just simple things that you can repeat to yourself, whether it's before or during competition that kind of recenter your focus. And, um, I actually keep, um, certain notes on my phone that I can refer back to, um, whether it's before a race or just before a hard training session to kind of remind me of my goals and what, how I want to be mentally going into this session or a race. And, um, one of my favorites is just a quote I learned a long time ago and it was, um, conviction and comfort don't live on the same block. So that one's a little lengthy, but, um, I found that repeating that to myself, whether it's, um, just in training or in a race helped recenter kind of that why you're doing this. And when it gets super hard, you're always tempted to quit. And, but if you're really passionate about something and you're convicted in getting there, um, is that the right grammar convicted? Um, you're just very, um, dead set on achieving your goals. You have to remember that it's probably not going to be comfortable. So that was one. And then in terms of performance anxiety regarding mistakes or messing up as opposed to the fear of how hard things are going to hurt. Just simple things like confidence boosters, just telling yourself like you're a beast or something like, like look at, look dead in the mirror, dead in your eyes in the mirror and just tell yourself like, I got this, you're a beast. Simple things like that, that it's kind of a fake it till you make it kind of thing. Fake it till you make it. And yeah, I think those little things kind of try to get the gears going in the right direction in your brain even if they don't feel quite repeating them seems to be helpful gotcha good suggestions there have you listened or read matt fitzgerald's how bad do you want it book yes i love that book i would so highly good. recommend it. yeah so yeah. good i'm called um the brave athlete um <laughs> there's an expletive in the title but um the brave athlete calm f down and rise to the occasion um and it goes into a lot of psychology and different mindsets that people have, different types of way, different ways that people's minds think and how to translate that to uh, performance on course or on the field or wherever you are. Um, so that and Matt Fitzgerald's book are two um, great sports psychology books that I would highly recommend. I'll have to look that one up. I'm not familiar with that one. After I, I, I listened to Matt Fitzgerald's book on Audible uh, a couple of years ago, and I've actually listened to it several times since then. A lot of times when I'm getting ready for like a major race, I'll, uh, I'll listen to all or parts of it getting leading into it to kind of put me back in that zone. But I, I tried to find some other similar books like his, and I found the other ones, uh, some of the other ones I, I found on like store shelves and stuff were just not, they were just not as good, like not even close. It was, it, some of the other sports psychology books I read almost felt like I'm just going to take a bunch of cliche phrases like no pain, no gain and throw them into a book and here's oh, your sports I psychology. And I was like, this is not, this is not the same as Fitzgerald's book. I, I agree. And I never actually thought about listening to the audible. I feel like that would be a great thing to listen to gearing up for a big race. Um, but just like Matt Fitzgerald's book, um, the other one I mentioned does dive deep into the actual psychology and how the mind works, as opposed to, like you said, those just cliche phrases, because those only go so far. I mean, they're a nice little boost for a sec, but if you don't really know how the mind works and different like phenomena that occur, it's not going to set in and um, stay there. Um, so I think these two books are an awesome start for anyone looking to get into more sports psychology and improve their own performance. Yeah. I also actually just finished listening to uh, David Goggins book. Uh, Can't hurt me. Oh. Have you listened to that one or read that one? Yeah. So um, I, that one I started reading, this is interesting. Um, I started reading it and there are so many things about it that I like, but part of me has trouble getting past the, basically work until you kill yourself kind of mentality. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and my coach is big on this too. Um, Cause yes, grit is important and toughness is important, but to what extent if you're destroying your body? So um, that's something I'm very cautious about. I could be overcautious when it comes to injuries and things like that, but 
there were there was too much of that for me to get past in that book. Yeah, he. I enjoyed it at, from a storytelling perspective, and I actually agree with a lot of the things he said. But I think you hit the nail on the head there with, you know, some. So his, like, I understand his early stories are where he's he's pushing his body to like it's physically breaking, but then like he doesn't. It takes him a lot. It takes him a while before he's like, I should start training like a normal human being and build, do like progressive training and then taper for my event instead of just being like, I'm just going to go until, you know, my kidneys shut down. It's like, eh. yeah. So. Yeah. And it's kind of like levity in any sport. <laughs> That's kind of not the way to go. I mean, all the power to the people who really just want to go out in a, in a ball of fire and <laughs> like just have one incredible performance and maybe that's it. But, um, I don't know. I, I, maybe it's my age being younger in the sport, but I'm trying to view things as a long game. So, um, taking, uh, asking too much of your body now, um, probably won't pay off later. And I, I try to take that mentality, um, in my training and in life and make it more of a, like we talked about before, gradual steady improvements that are sustainable. Yeah. No, I think that's a smart method, especially we mentioned you you being on the younger side, having that mindset now is going to play, pay huge dividends in the future. Definitely. So yeah, uh, definitely a good, good idea. I'm also, yeah, as a military guy who does endurance sports, I'm also like, and also as an author, I, I feel myself, the problem with that is I find myself overly critical of stuff that I shouldn't be critical of when I hear similar stories, but it is a good story. Um, there's a lot of cursing in it, but I don't know, that doesn't really bother me, but it's, <laughs> That yeah, is true. It, it was good. It, it, it was interesting. Definitely an interesting story. Um, oh, yeah. He's a fascinating person, yeah. for sure. I also think seals are overrated, but that's besides the point. We can, <laughs> we can, argue, that. <laughs> we can argue that at some other point. We're going to get Mark James back on the podcast and uh, bust his chops a little bit. Oh, boy. You know, in your bio, you mentioned you're fascinated by all facets of human performance and uh, wants to help people feel better and do their best. So any other kind of future plans you have that are – heavily revolving around that topic in the next year or two? Yeah. So, um, I've actually been working on developing my, um, online coaching business and personal training business, mainly online coaching. Um, and it's called CS4 training because, um, my initials are CS Callie Schweikert and then I'm a CSCS and originally from cold spring, New York CS, but, um, now I'm in Colorado state CS. So I guess it kind of works, um, so good. <laughs> but I know it works, right? Um, fortunately. But, uh, so yeah, CS4 training is something I started last year and, um, I mainly work with people online, but my first client was actually my brother. So, um, my little brother is 21 now I'm 24 and, um, he's been my best friend since he was born. We're very close. And he, um, um, originally, um, he's actually one of the most naturally athletically talented people I've ever met, but never wanted to, utilize that talent. He was never into team sports. He's very into, um, computers and he taught himself computer code and all that stuff. But after a while of not being very active and not eating very well, he found himself in a spot where he wasn't feeling great and, um, meant his mental health was suffering. And, um, he just asked me if I could help him start to learn how to work out and to eat a little better. So that was kind of my, um, first jump into personal training and coaching. And what we did is I just first taught him, some basic nutrition principles about moderating portion sizes to where he's getting enough, but not getting so much to the point where he's not feeling great and just super sluggish. And then slowly ease him into your basic training exercises. Uh, we started really slow with, I think just some push-ups, some squats, things like that. Cause he wasn't, he wasn't used to all that movement. Um, and now he, well, he lost, he's six, three. So he was like 200 and, 35 pounds and lost about 50 pounds, uh, gradually. And he just noticed, I noticed it too, such an, uh, an improvement in his mental health and attitude and just energy in life. Um, and it's hard to sometimes see someone you love so much, um, struggle, uh, with their confidence, with, um, their enthusiasm for things in life and just to watch him slowly grow um, into an athlete, into someone who had so much more energy, um, was so much more friendly and, um, just engaging with other people and more confident. Uh, it was so rewarding. And that really was an eye-opening experience for me that motivates me to continue helping people do the same. All right. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. 
Now you recently, like you said, moved out to Colorado. Was that a work move or a personal move? What's the, what was the well, change it, there? Well, um, it was not very planned. <laughs> um, so at the beginning of the summer, um, I had an opportunity, I was, well, I guess, yeah. So I had an opportunity, something came up where I was able to move out here. Um, just, I, I found a good spot where it was affordable and, um, it, Colorado is somewhere I've always wanted to be and never had been. And, uh, I found myself asking my, I found myself asking myself, um, why not? Because, um, with everything going on with COVID, um, things were unsure in terms of, um, coaching for the soccer season in New York. And I've actually been conducting most of my tutoring through zoom. So that could continue here as well. And I was just ready for, um, the next step in my own athletic career and also just, um, in life. Um, I was living at home with my parents and they were in no rush to get me out of there. And I love being there, but, um, I think around this age is a good time to kind of explore on your own. And this was the opportunity to do it. So, um, I took, I took it and, um, figured I could continue building my training business out here. I actually got a, um, soccer coaching job at FC Boulder. Um, so I'm the head coach of their U18 girls team and, um, work with a few other teams too, just kind of covering and things like that. But, um, so continuing soccer coaching, continuing tutoring, and then, um, there's really not m many better places to be for the kind of things I'm pursuing in my own athletic career. So yeah, it was a big move. Just got here like last week and I've been loving it. Awesome. Now we mentioned, you, you know, you want to get that high rocks world record, uh, 2021, once things open back up. You know, as far as Spartan racing, any major specific goals there? Like, are you focusing on national series? Are you going to focus on the mountain series or something like that? What's the, what's the plan for 2021, assuming everything goes back to normal? Yeah, I struggle with deciding. Um, I think I've always loved the world championship event. Um, I've done it three years at Tahoe and getting a grad, like gradually placing better each year um, has been very rewarding for me. Who knows where it will end up being when it comes back. But um, a long-term goal would be um, top 10 in the world. Um, and then uh, in terms of series to focus on, um, I'm going to have to think about that one because with my training in the mountains and being at altitude, um, I feel like the mountain series would be a logical pursuit. But I also do want to try an ultra at some point. Um, that's something my coach has been encouraging me to try too, just with my um, – how I gravitate towards longer events a lot of the time. Um, and I was hoping to try one this year until things kind of got messed up. So yeah, I'm thinking, um, ultras might be something to pursue in 2021. Um, but also <laughs> not destroying myself so much in them that I can't contend in the national series or the world championships. Yeah. That's always tricky. The, uh, the ultra always takes a toll on your body. So I know that's why I'm, I'm I was scared to, to do it. And I don't know, um, how many are manageable in a year. It's going to be an adventure for sure. Yeah. I always, I always run like hot garbage after I run like a toughest mutter or a, you know, ultra event. And then I try to like drop down to a 5k, you know, with like within two weeks, I, I'm always just, I feel like my heart rate spikes super fast. And then I'm like, you know, I'm like, uh, so. Oh yeah. But, the fatigue is, uh, it lasts a while. I'm sure. Yeah. Like your legs just don't turn over very fast. It feels like so. It's a, it's a tricky thing. And I don't know, for me, I just focus on ultra and I uh, use my shorter races, like 5k, four mile, 10 mile, stuff like that is, um, you know, I still try my best, but it's, yeah, I know I'm not going to put out what my like true max performance is, but right. Yeah. 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 There has to be some sort of prioritization there. You're not yeah. going to be able to, it's, it's either uh, Jack of all trades, master of none. So you sacrifice your performance and everything to do pretty well in everything or you specialize and then um, other things take the hit and there's no wrong or right, but that's kind of just what happens. Yep. Absolutely. Well, good answers there. And I did not prep you for this question. So hopefully you listened at least to the episode with Morgan in it. So when we have someone on the podcast, we like to ask them, tell, tell us one thing people would be surprised to know about you. So Ooh. again, I did not prep you for the podcast and there's, the less having to do with OCR, usually the better. So the more random and strange, uh, the more people seem to enjoy it. 
one thing, one of my major passions, hobbies is uh, singing. So I do love to sing. And for a while I was into theater, but I have terrible stage fright. Um, mainly because I've had horrible experiences every time I've been in a play. Um, the first time I was a lead in a play, I got so nervous that I projectile vomited all over the place beforehand. And then the second time I was in the play, um, I was a cheerleader in Greece and tore my hamstring on stage opening night. Um, oh so I tend not to, yeah, it was brutal. Uh, that was freshman year of high school. And uh, the cheerleaders were supposed to be bad in Greece. So some people thought me like pulling up from the split and like limping off stage was part of the act. <laughs> um, meanwhile, um, I had been done fine rehearsing all throughout the months we that led up to this play. And then I, I stretched and everything beforehand, warmed up, and then on stage, just it popped. So that was pretty brutal. And that's something I still have to be careful of um, in like my sports pursuits now. But yeah, so um, music, theater, um, I do love to sing, but not typically in front of people often. That's probably something that most people don't know about me. Gotcha. I'm assuming you've seen <laughs> Pitch Perfect. Yes, love that movie. Do you have flashbacks in the opening scene when she vomits over everyone? Oh God, yeah, it's too <laughs> relatable. <laughs> what uh, what play were you in when when that happened? Just out of curiosity. Uh, it was Greece. Oh, that was um, Greece. So Both yeah. Greece. Oh, oh, in the oh, gotcha. So it was Greece for the hamstring, and then this one was it was a middle school play. It was Who's Dying to Be a Millionaire. So it was a spit uh, like a. A, t a parody of um, a typical game show, but it was a murder mystery. It was like gotcha. a okay. kind of a random middle school play. <laughs> so I, I usually try to match whatever my guest says, but I've, I'm pretty sure I've used this before, but I acted in musicals and plays all throughout high school. So I was in like 11 productions throughout high school. Oh, nice. Any so. like pretty popular ones that people would know the name of? Yeah, I mean, uh, Wizard of Oz, Guys and Dolls, Anything Goes, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Music oh, Man. Um, what was the defective detective lagoon? <laughs> I can't even remember all of them. Um, Great. but there, there's, there's a bunch of VHSs of me floating around sound of music. There's a bunch of VHSs of me floating around that I'm glad, uh, no one has put up on YouTube yet. So, um, um, I don't know if I should be saying this or not, but my hamstring tear is on YouTube. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, for anyone who's interested, Haldane, uh, H-A-L-D-A-N-E. Um, Greece. You probably Google that and then you can try and uh, like, uh, what's the word? Um, toggle through and, and find it. Yeah. Get a, <laughs> get so, some bonus points if you can find it in there. So I've, I've used that one on the podcast before. So I'm going to go with one. I don't think I've used this one in college. I was in a military fraternity. And one of the things we did for military fraternity was, it was like our public side of it, our advertisement side, we would spin rifles. So like you know, you spin rifle on one hand and then you like throw it to another person across the room. And um, so it's like, it's called trick drill, trick rifle drill. So we did that in high school. I mean, not high school, in college. And there's a move we did called the ladder where essentially I climb up onto the shoulders of two other guys uh, that have rifles across them. And I fall backwards and like throw the rifle over my head and someone like 25 feet away catches it. So if anyone's read my book, there's a picture of us doing the ladder in there. And we actually want... We actually won a, we won a, it, it's going to sound more impressive than it is, but we won a national championship uh, for a squad trick drill. Um, wow. There wasn't that many teams competing. So uh, but there was, there was probably like a, you know, probably somewhere between six and 10 teams competing. Um, but, and you had to be part of this military fraternity to, to enter the competition. So it wasn't a huge pool, but we won. And then me and my friend won, uh, we came second place for uh, two men duets. So huh. got to find some old video. I think we have, I don't think there, there's not video of me on YouTube, but there's video of uh, two of the guys I taught who actually end up being better than me and <laughs> my friends. So I'll, I'll, maybe I'll share that to strength and speed after this podcast publishes. So, wow. <laughs> all right. I think that about wraps things up. Um, Callie, thanks for coming on. I always love having someone from New York on because you talk super fast and we can get, oh, a, <laughs> we can get a lot of information. I know I love it because like I said, I'm from that area. So, like when you talk, that's the way I think people should be talking and the speed people should be talking. So we got a lot of good information in a short amount of time. So I think that was perfect. Um, well, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Um, yeah, I think I'm kind of aware that I talk fast, but I'm just used to it by now. Um, and hopefully it's not intolerable. <laughs> 
No, it's I, I like I said, I, I like it, but I'm but I'm from I'm from New York and I'm used to people talking fast and you know <laughs> people not saying hi. I was talking to one of my friends uh from Kansas City last week and I was like, Yeah, like if you're from New York City, like you don't you don't say hi to people. That's not like you know, you just there's too many people to say hi, right? You just like walk and like put your blinders on and like no one no one says hi to anyone. Like Yeah. I mean, even on Long Island it was like it was like that where you know you you don't say hi to random people. And when I remember when I went to college and when I moved out to the Midwest, my friends would like say hi to random people on the street. And I was like, no, that's weird, dude. Like we don't, we yeah. don't do that from New York. It's too that's so true. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, before we go, any final shout outs you wanted to give friends, family, sponsors, and then uh, where can people find you on social media also? Yeah. Um, so, so I have been working with um, Spring Energy and Human, um, the makers of Beat Elite and a bunch of other awesome products. Um, since 2018, um, I swear by them both and they've been awesome to me. And then, um, in terms of where you can find me on social media, I'm mainly active on Instagram. Um, my username is at C Schweik. So C S C H W E I K. Um, and then I am on Facebook, just my name and yeah. Um, also my website for training, um, and coaching is cs4training.com. So yeah, feel free to reach out, um, follow, and um, I love hearing from anyone and everyone. Well, the last question, is Callie short for anything or is that your full name? It is. So my real name is Caroline Lee. Um, my middle name is Lee and my parents wanted a more, I guess, hip nickname than Carol for like a young girl. So um, they took the CA from, from Caroline. And then even though L-E-E is my middle name, um, I spell my Nickname C A L I Cali. Okay, I have several people in my extended family named Cali. That's why I was asking. Really? Somebody, yeah, it's well, it, you know, one one of them it's short for Calliope, and the other one, um, Calicia, is the shortened version. So, or the long. Those version. are Greek, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. So. I know there's Calypso too is another one that people use Cali as a nickname for. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, cool. Cool. So any of our listeners want to head over to teamstrengthspeed.com. All my books are available there. Uh, You'll find links to digital and hard copy for all those. I just figured out how to do hard copy publishing off Amazon. So if you want to pick up a copy of Conquer the Gauntlet Pro OCR Workouts to Go, it's basically a list of 75 plus workouts, allows people to pick and choose who have a more flexible schedule that are just looking for one specific workout to plop into their uh, already training calendar. And then if you want you know, more detailed plans, uh, my book, Muttering Guides, Ultra OCR Bible and Strength and Speed's Guide to Lead Obstacle Course Raising have like a day-by-day type planner type thing for those of you who are looking to improve your obstacle course racing seasons. And uh, you know, it's a good time to pick those up and start working towards those goals because I think the uh, 2021 will be here before we know it. So uh, especially if you plan on racing in like January or February of, of next year, you know, you, you want to put in a good solid four month training block. I personally, that's what I like to do before my first major race of the year. All right, Callie, thanks again for coming on. And it was good talking to you, getting to know you a little bit better. And hopefully we'll see you back out on the course in 2021. Thank you so much, Evan. It was great chatting with you too. And uh, likewise. Likewise.